You see, we're on a mission from God. You know that my podcast is about non-famous people, but I really feel like if if a lot of people listen to this podcast and get to know you, they will be a lot better off in their life. So may I introduce to you listeners, Evan Cooper. Hello, Evan. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am quite well, thank you. It's Evan. been a, a day, but yes, I'm quite well. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Evan, how do I know you? Because here's the thing is... You are one of the most hilarious and fun people that I know, and I, I'm not exactly sure how we even crossed paths. So, I remember this very distinctly because, and I'm going to get, like, emotional telling this story. Oh, dear. But, in a good way. Okay, good. Um, like, <laughs> when I, like, let's, let me go way back to 2008. I got knocked up. And moved in with my boyfriend and he and lost my job because I was pregnant. I mean, they said it was poor work performance, which like accurate. I kind of sucked at my job, but they, it was because I was pregnant. Uh Um, Or at least that's what I tell myself. Anyway, I went from being like employed my whole life to being a stay-at-home mom. And then as soon as my daughter was born, I got pregnant again. Anyway, I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom for like eight years. And I, like I fell into a really deep depression. My relationship was not good. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was killing it at the mom thing. And then I found Facebook and then I kind of stumbled into blogging and <laughs> I was posting on Facebook and people were like, you should write a blog. And I'm like, what the fuck's a blog? And I learned what a blog was. Um, so I started writing my first blog um, called Food Good Laundry Bad. And it was on allrecipes.com mm. and I got like attacked and like trolled and so I took it down and then I started a new blog anyway I had just started it and somebody was like hey you should go to blogathon and I'm like what the fuck is that ah so I was like I don't know anybody there I'm not going and they're like well you should meet my friend Q you should follow her on Twitter tell her you want to go to blogathon tell her you don't know anybody and she will be your friend and she will welcome you and I was like okay and so I did and I followed you on Twitter and reached out to you and exactly that. Like, I was like, hey, I, I want to come to Blogathon. I don't know anybody. And you were like, okay, cool. We're best friends now. And like, I walked into Blogathon and I, I didn't really understand social media and how it worked at that point. And I didn't realize that everybody in the world could see my tweets. Like uh-huh. I was used to Facebook where it was like just the people that you followed. And I was like, it was my Blogathon that year was on my birthday. Oh. And so it was my birthday and this was like my gift. My husband, now husband was watching the kids and everything. So I tweeted that I had worn my Spanx to blogathon because I was feeling super jiggly, but there was so much food that I had to take them off in the bathroom. <laughs> and because I used the hashtag blogathon, the whole fucking world saw it or uh-huh. like my world at the time. Uh-huh. And I was like, it w- went up on the wall. Oh shit. Blogathon. <laughs> And I thought I was going to die. But anyway, Blogathon, that was a really long way to tell you. It was through Blogathon that that Uh, we got to know each other. Yeah, yeah, that makes perfect sense. I have met, so like through that community, which is kind of no longer around, but it it still has remnants. But I've met 
like the actual best people of my life through that. I don't know. It was just like this magical little scene that that lasted for you know a good five six years, and uh, and and I am really grateful for it because I like a lot of the people that I met, yeah. and I liked you immediately, right? Because you're just you know you're so well. I think all of Blogathon is this way, but I think you are the personification of this, which is somebody who feels very comfortable in digital environments, but you're also not annoying, right? <laughs> like you're, you're a very like, real human, a very chill person. You're not a brand, right? And right. so, or even if you are, it's not, you know, it's not an annoying brand. It's not like, uh, I'm an influencer, give me some whatever. Right. So you're one of the people that I consistently, I will never not know you or follow you no matter where we go in the world because you just you're consistently delightful to me in in so many ways like you well, make me happy you. yeah yeah knowing you makes me happy and I I think part of my I don't want to say my appeal but like part of why I am the way I am and people either love me or hate me like there's no in between uh -huh. but I like I don't know how to be fake I just can't even in, in situations where I probably should uh -huh. uh, I work in corporate America and I now that we're on zoom all the time like my face doesn't have an inside voice so <laughs> my one of my work friends she'll like ping me on slack turn your camera off now turn your camera off now because I'm making like some kind of what are you talking about face <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's like and people who like you who like appreciate authenticity and don't have time for bullshit are like the people that I want to keep in my life and right. so I guess I could learn to be fake and to school myself a little bit but then that would just invite the assholes in so I'm just like unapologetically myself and you can either take me or leave me yeah it's kind of where I put it like I mean, I hate the people who are like, well, this is just how I am. Learn to take it. We can always be better. But yeah. this is one part of myself that I'm like, I'm really comfortable with. And I'm, I'm proud of myself for getting here because I wasn't always like this. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So I don't know if you've li listened to any of the previous episodes I've done. I listened to half of one, but I have children and they ruin everything. Understood. Understood. <laughs> understood. Uh, so what, what I do when I start the podcast is I ask some icebreaker questions. Not that Ooh. you need any icebreaker <laughs> questions, but I'm going to go ahead and ask them to you because they're fun to ask. Are you ready? Yes. You ready? ready? Okay. So the first question is, what is the last thing you watched on TV? Um, last night we watched Citizen Kane. I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. Is it good? It was terrible. Oh. It's supposed to be like one of like the filmmaker movies. Yeah. And my yeah. husband's a filmmaker and it was absolute trash. And I'm probably going to get trolled for saying it, but it was horrible. What, why was it horrible? Admittedly, we were watching a lot of old movies and like a lot of the stuff that we see now that is overdone and trite, it's overdone and trite because it's been done a million times, but this was the first time that it was ever done. Uh, like in the old movie, like Sunset Boulevard was very much like that, but it was groundbreaking at the time. But it was a right. lot of overdone crap that I've seen a million times, overacted, overwritten, overdirected. Mm -hmm. They just figured out special effects, so they were, like, really fucking doing them. <laughs> um, so, yeah. It was just, uh, like, boring. I think I fell asleep in the middle of it. It was not great. Oh Well, um, I'm glad I know that because, like I said, I have never seen it, and... I know that it is a famous and lauded movie, and I feel a little guilty when I, I haven't watched those kinds of movies, but um, also I have very limited time, so yeah. I ain't going to waste it on Citizen King. Yeah. Sorry. Nope. Sorry. Nope. Okay. Although, I will say there are movies like um, 
um, like Apocalypse Now mm-hmm. or The Godfather that are, they really are that good, right? Oh, so yeah. you never know. You never know if you're missing something amazing or if it's just hype. Right. And I'm glad I watched it, like, because now I can, like, check it off and be like, been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe. We'll see. We'll see if I ever I'll find some yeah. spare time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or I might just rewatch all the Star Wars. There you go. Much better use of your time. <laughs> yes. Okay. Second icebreaker question is what is the last book that you read? Um, I don't read much anymore. I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, that counts. My... That counts. Okay, dude. cool. Yeah. Um, I am currently listening to a book called uh, Strategies of Leadership by oh. Jocko Willink. Okay. He is a, was a Navy SEAL uh, who worked with Chris Kyle. Usually not my jam. Mm-hmm. But I've read a lot of his leadership books, and since I just got promoted at work, this one just came out. And a lot of his leadership principles also apply to parenting. So when I feel like I'm struggling with my kids, and I have teenagers, so that's like 100% of the time, um, I like to (laughs) revisit like leadership books and things like that. Um, So it's kind of a dual thing for me right now. Yeah, yeah. I can always tell when my husband is reading some leadership book because of how he starts. I can see that he's trying to, like, deploy it on our kids. (laughs) Yes, 100%. (laughs) Because it totally, you could see that he's, like, just experimenting and seeing if it works or something. And uh, and actually, sometimes it does. Yeah, It does, yeah. Uh And they're, like, built-in little guinea pigs. Yeah, totally. Totally. All right. And then the final icebreaker question is, what did you have for breakfast today? I had, um, well, I made gluten-free coffee cake and gluten-free biscuits for my kids, and then I did not feel up to eating that. So I had an egg sandwich with Swiss cheese on whole wheat toast. It's a respectable breakfast. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Sometimes I feel like I cook a lot of sweets, but I don't feel great after I eat sweets. And I'm finally mm. at the age where I'm like, you know what? I, this looks great, but I know when I feel like crap afterwards. So I'm going to eat a pickle or some yeah. fruit or something and just call it good. Isn't that <laughs> Which a is bummer? Like sad, right? Yeah. It's depressing. Yeah. Like I'm also at that age where like, if I don't exercise, I feel worse than if I do exercise which I hate exercise. So, so that's really saying something. So like now I have to like exercise every day. Otherwise I start to feel just like hell. And, and it's the same thing with the food thing. It's almost like drugs and drinking uh, where, where you were like in your coming out of your twenties where you're like, yeah, I don't think I'm going to do that right now. Cause I don't want to feel like crap tomorrow. Well, it's right. the same thing with food now. Now I'm like, that cake looks amazing, but I'm going to feel like garbage tomorrow. I work with a lot of younger people and of course I have teenagers and so they're like just eat it you'll be fine I'm like I really really won't and I I think you and I've talked about this but I had gastric bypass 14 Mm -hmm. years ago now and I'm not supposed to eat sweets at all so like the reaction that the normal 43 year old would have to eating a slice of cake triple that and that's my reaction really so yeah it's bad like I have to go lay down and stuff And it's just like literally eating a piece of cake can knock me out of commission for a couple hours. And it used to be like, I would be, oh, it's totally worth it. The cake is that good. Now I'm like, no, it's not. It's not that good. Right. It's just not. Now like a snickerdoodle, I might be willing to lay down for a snickerdoodle. Like that's some good (laughs) shit. But there's very few things that are worth it to me. Yeah. And you know, like once I start, I'm not 
I'm like, well, I've already opened this can of worms. So I might as well just shove six snickerdoodles in my face. It's not like I'm going to ever eat a snickerdoodle. I don't think yeah. like that just doesn't happen. And that's how I am. I'll eat really well. And then I'll eat one bad thing on like a Wednesday. And then I'm like, well, fuck it. I mean, I can't eat anything healthy again till next Monday. Cause <laughs> like eating healthy starts on Monday. And it's, if I yes. it on Wednesday, it's just downhill from here. The weekend's coming up and I'm going to have a beer on the weekend. So I might as well just like, and then like I eat healthy Monday and Tuesday and then Wednesday rolls around again. And it's like, Hey, let's eat nine tacos. I don't understand that. I have, I have the same kind of psychology. I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's not healthy and I probably should be in therapy for it. Once you like start down a path, you're just like, well, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's very much like, and one of the things that I've started doing is, and I thought this would help is instead of saying, well, I just can't diet or I just can't exercise. Just like saying, being honest right now, eating vegetables just isn't a priority for me mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. right now exercising just isn't a priority for me. And like by putting actual words to it, I thought I would be like, well, oh, it actually is a priority. Let me go ahead and follow through with it. But I'm like, it really fucking isn't. Like, it is really not a priority for me. And I'm okay with that. Okay. And, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. I'm working from home. I never know when my kids go to school if that's going to be their last day in in-person school. Uh-huh. My husband works in education, so I never know what his job's going to be. I have uh-huh. a 74-year-old mother. My mother-in-law has COVID. <gasps> Exercising and diet are not a priority for me. (laughs) Yeah, she got diagnosed with COVID the day before Thanksgiving. So she might be out. She's a teacher. Shocking. And yeah. So yeah, exercising is just not a priority for me right now. Understood. Understood. And But the thing is, I guess what I'm saying is everything in my life is now based on momentum or lack thereof. Oh, yeah. So if I break my momentum, then I have to just psychologically prepare myself to crash and burn and then rebuild. (laughs) Otherwise, yeah, because otherwise I'm just like when I fall down and you get, you know, you're like fall down, you get back up. It takes me much longer, I think, to get back up than than it probably should. Yeah, I don't. I don't have like the, you know, fall down seven, get back up eight, like (laughs) mentality. And I love that. I love people who do, and I admire the crap out of them. But for me, it's like fall down, cry for a really long time, Mm -hmm. sit there on your knees for a minute, cry about that, bitch about how hard it is to get up, complain that you're just going to stay here forever because your life is bullshit. And then maybe on Monday, get up (laughs) and start over. I'm just going to like spend the weekend here on the ground. (laughs) Somebody bring me a taco and a margarita because I'm here. Like, I really cannot. That's like, I don't have a lot of things that like I hate about myself or I don't like about myself. But my lack of coping skills Uh is like, honestly, last night I went to make dinner. I work till six. I get off at six and I immediately go to cook dinner. And the friggin meat was not defrosted. I put it out at 9am, but my house is cold. So it never defrosted. And I just like threw a fit and I went and laid down in my bed for like an hour. And I told the kids, we're not having dinner tonight. (laughs) (laughs) You're on your own. Just because like the meat didn't defrost and it was just like a complete meltdown. And we literally didn't have dinner. 
<laughs> the kids ate Ritz crackers and popcorn or something. I'm, I'm, I'm a grown-ass woman. Like, I should be able to cope, but I can't. No, but let me just say this. I, I don't think that that's necessarily a terrible thing. I feel like the expectations of what you're supposed to be able to do as a, an adult, as a woman adult, as a woman adult with children is, um, is garbage. Like I, like who the fuck says that this is what, that you should have to work all day, right? And then come home and then make dinner and, and not feel like going and laying in bed and drinking beer and looking at TikTok. Like who says that? That, that's not, that is not true. That is not true. That's a, that is a lie. You, if you right. feel that way, then that is a legitimate way to feel because that is all a lot of hard work. And it's, yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to feel guilty. I, I don't like the idea of feeling guilty for like being tired. And I say this as somebody who I'm extremely challenged by motherhood, <laughs> right? I love my children, but the demands of motherhood are really shitty. And and I, it makes me mad that I'm supposed to feel guilty for saying that. I, fuck that. It is hard fucking work to raise kids, right? And even if you have a partner, just the way that we still run our society means that if you are a woman and you have children, uh, you know, if you're partnered with a man, then you you tend to pick up a lot, a hell of a lot more of the slack. So if you want to lay in bed and look at TikTok, <laughs> you have all my permission yeah. and your kids are not going to die from eating Ritz crackers for dinner or whatever. Like if you, if you have, especially you have teenagers, like, well, and you know, like your kids are not infants. That's true. We're discovering that um, our middle daughter has like some special needs and she's like exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that she's wonderful. Yeah what we're going through is, no, I'm going to take it. I'm going to roll it back. She's fucking exhausting. I love her. She's wonderful. And I'm like, people say, oh, I'm blessed to know my, my children. Like I truly am blessed to know anybody who doesn't get to know my middle girl, um, all my kids really, they're, they're missing out. They're hysterical, awesome, wonderful people. And like, if they weren't my kids, I would be friends with them. If it wasn't creepy for like a 40 year old to be (laughs) friends with like an 11 year old, but yeah. They're, they're exhausting. And to be like the reason that another human being is alive, mm-hmm. there's a lot of responsibility there. And yeah. then just like anytime they're not like within my line of sight, I'm a little bit worried. Yeah. Yeah, of course. hundred yeah, percent of, of the time. And that makes you want to lay down <laughs> for a little bit. And like my husband takes a ton of like the hands-on day-to-day parenting stuff because his job's a lot more flexible than mine. So mm-hmm. he picks the kids up from school three days a week and he handles like taking them to music class and picking them up and doing all of that, which is fantastic. He didn't get to do a lot of that when they were little because they were like breastfed till they were like nine or something ridiculous like that. And it was all on me, but now that they're older, he can do a lot more. But the emotional stuff, the yeah. emotional labor, that all falls on me. Yeah. When they have breakups and teachers are mean and all of that, that all falls on me. And yeah. like, I, I'm still dealing with like some of my own breakups and stuff right. <laughs> from 15 years ago. How am I right. supposed to like help you cope with this? I am not an adult. Who put me in charge of you? Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what you're saying is exactly right. When, when they were little, I was physically exhausted all the time, but now I'm so challenged emotionally and intellectually with them. It is 
it's a completely different type of exhaustion, but now, but the demands never change, right? The, or the, the level of demand doesn't change. And so now what I'm facing, you know, I'm staring down the barrel of two of my, my only two children who are twins leaving <laughs> to go to college. And so it's going to be like all of this pressure and work and all of that. And then it will just be nothing. And so I'm trying to brace myself for that because my whole life kind of revolves around them at this point, right? I don't know how your life yeah. doesn't revolve around your kids if you have kids. Yeah. Honestly, I just don't. But then they're going to be adult. And, and they'll always, of course, your kids always need you, but not every day, all day. And so my, I just, I know that that, I, I know I'm going to have like a little freak out about it. And I just don't know what that's going to look like or, or, or what what's going to happen from that? There's no, like, I have a 16 year old and it was just me and him for a long time. Uh Um, he was four when my husband and and I met. So like, he's my baby. Right. Mm -hmm. And he and I have like a special bond, like a mother son thing, single mom thing. I don't know, but we have a bond and I'm trying to prepare myself for him going off to college or moving out or whatever he decides to do. But like, I don't know how to do that short of affecting our relationship now and pulling away from him emotionally now while I still have him so that Mm. it doesn't hurt as bad when he goes. And I certainly don't want to do that. So I think the only thing to do is just like warn everybody around me, hey, you know, in a couple (laughs) of years, I'm going to be even crazier than I am now because my baby's leaving me and y'all are just going to have to cope with that. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I guess t- you spend too much time worrying about what's going to happen. It's you, you can't get on with the business of living right now. But uh, but I think it's probably a good idea to at least know what's coming. <laughs> kind of Absolutely. have some kind of some kind of vague idea of of what trauma is is on the horizon, so that you could at least brace for it. And you know, honestly, by the time he goes off to college, my younger two will be. I th- think we did the math and they're going to be freshmen and sophomore in high school so it's not like um I'll be empty nesting it or something I will definitely like have two more in the throes of fixing to leave me so you know I won't have much time to wallow in misery yeah yeah you can save the wallowing till they're gone right there's plenty of time to wallow (laughs) you're losing both your babies at once so that's gotta be I mean at least it's like you're ripping the band-aid off all at once but at the same time it's also got to be doubly hard yeah yeah it is I'm pretending it's it's not a reality even (laughs) though it is and I have less than a year and okay your daughter keeps showing up as like people I should be friends with on you should be friends with her you should be friends with her when I met her, she was she knows like you. She knows little, you. yeah. And then her pictures are like so gorgeous. Yeah, she's. But I'm like, amazing. who is this model that wants to be my friend? Um, and then I'm like, oh wait, that's Amanda's daughter. That's not. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. I know. And Can I, you believe it? She's beautiful. She's a she's an adult already. I can't even. Ugh. Yeah. And her eyeliner game is. Whew, yeah. I don't know what it is with like this generation. I think it's because of the YouTubes, but the girls of this generation understand makeup in ways I never could. Dude. Right. Like the contouring and. Right. I'm going to just be Kim Kardashian, like change my whole face to look like her with just makeup. It's well, insane. What's even more insane is that there are people who look nothing like Kim Kardashian who can actually make their faces look exactly like Kim Kardashian yeah. just using makeup. And some Wild. of those people are men. Which like, 
Which God bless them. Yeah, the fact yeah. That men are like killing it with makeup and stuff. I'm here for it. Hell but then yeah. At the same time, I was like, I'm like, where are you when I was 13? Right. Like, and I was wearing blue eyeshadow and hot pink blush. <laughs> yes. Yes. When you have like pulled me aside in sixth grade and been like, girl, let's Frosted talk. pink lipstick. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Ugh. It was. Oh, it was it was rough. Yeah, that's why that's why I'm having so much fun on the TikToks. Oh, one of the best part of the TikToks is the drag queens who own it. Like they just are so fun. I I if I was a man, I would be a drag queen. Like that's goals for me. Yeah, like I wonder if I would be better at makeup if I was the dude version of me because I would still be probably be pretty feminine and in mm-hmm. like makeup and sparkly things. Right. But I would be more like, I have to prove my femininity because of like society or whatever. So I would be more into it right now. Just the fact that I have big boobs and a vagina, like I kind of get away with a lot of this stuff. Right. But dude me would be like, Hey, I got to be really good at makeup and stuff so I could prove how girly I am. Maybe. And I think I would probably be better at being a girl if I was a dude. I, I kind of feel that way too. I kind of feel that way too. Yeah. I don't know why that is. That is an interesting, that's an interesting thing. Maybe we should also talk to our therapists about that. (laughs) (laughs) I have discovered lesbian TikTok. Oh dude, it's the best, isn't it? I am a hundred percent convinced. Like if Steven drops it tomorrow, (laughs) my next husband is going to be a TikTok lesbian because... I have zero interest in men now that I've discovered lesbian TikTok. Yeah. Oh, it's like amazing. Gone. It's amazing. It's an art form to be a lesbian Ugh, on TikTok. I, I, man. I, it is astounding. I love it. And I follow this one lady. She's, she does laundry all the time. Do you know her? She's a lesbian. <gasps> I love her so right? much. Right? She is so goddamn funny. I don't even know how somebody is that funny all the time. And she produces she... so much content. Have you seen her wrapping videos where she wraps presents? Uh, no. Oh my gosh. Like, I don't know how a gift could be wrapped and just scream gay, but she manages it. <laughs> and they're like, and it's so, like, it's so hot too, on top of being like impressive because I'm not a great folder or wrapper. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, but for me, competence is very sexy. Like people who are good at things. Uh huh. Cause I'm sure. good at nothing. I like people who are just good at shit. It's like huge turn on for me. And she's like, she just oozes competence and like, yeah, I can, you know, change your oil and fold your fitted sheets and wrap your presents and make you come like all of it, all of it. (laughs) And I love her so much. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. I'm just sort of in awe because I just discovered it. I mean, obviously I knew TikTok was around for a long time, but I kept putting it off because I was like, oh, that's like a stupid kid app. Um, But actually, it's a stupid adult app, too. And I am a stupid adult. And my family has been like, why are you on this app? And I'm like, (laughs) guys, I am a human TikTok. Like, I, I dance around my house and sing to my cats and, like, do ridiculous things all day and my family knows this and I'm like there's a whole app of people that do this and I belong there (laughs) well it's that my son keeps threatening to make a secret TikTok of me filming me trying to learn like TikTok dances Uh because I'm trying to learn them and like there's there will never be a video of me dancing because I'm terrible at them yeah Um, but I do practice and then just like you know videos of me like setting shit on fire accidentally and like all of my everyday 
being goofy and he yeah. wants to make like a secret TikTok account of me just being weird. And for all I know, he might already be doing it. He like always has his phone out because he's 16. But yeah. he was like, that would be the TikTok that goes viral. Not you, you know, <laughs> lip syncing to gay guys. Um, <laughs> and so I don't know. And I'm like, I'm sort of hoping he does it in a um i secretly want to be famous kind of way uh-huh. but also like terrified that he'll, he's actually going to do it and everybody's going to be like oh my god your mom's so fat you know or, but that's like my insecurity is talking yeah and anyway there's plenty of people on tiktok that are all about body positivity like that's i true. love that like i love those chicks that are like they roll down their pants put their belly out and then just like grind away to some you know throbbing disco beat and i'm like hell yeah sister That's like, I would never have the confidence to do that. The thing that I love is that they're really good dancers. Yeah, totally. It's it's not like, like, I'm I'm super awkward. I love to dance. I love to dance. I'm just not great at it. And I I mean, I am what I am. But these girls, like, they're like on the beat and they're like moving their body in these like incredibly flexible ways. And... I don't know. I'm just like, I'm blown away. Yeah. And then you see like the skinny minis with the perfect bodies and they're all like stiff and awkward. And I'm like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. you need a little jiggle to pull that off, m'lady. You need a little <laughs> jiggle. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. There's just so much going on over there. And, and I was telling somebody else that I feel like it's the antidote to Twitter. Cause like Twitter, boy, was it, it it's social media in general. Cause you know, this is my job too right? Like I do it. I do it for fun, but also it's my job. And so it's just been so awful in so many ways. The culture of some of these platforms is so miserable and angry and dark and toxic. Toxic. Yeah, totally. I feel like TikTok sort of reminded me why I like the internet. 100%. Yeah. Yes. And, like, Steven has been, like, stop sending me TikToks. They're, they're stupid. I don't like your TikToks. And, I like, I send him stuff that's, like, cute, fun, like, or that I think he would relate to. Um, and he's, like, I don't like it. And I'm, like, like, why? These are talented people who are putting effort into it. Like, there's production value. They're, yeah. like, editing stuff. And it's he's not like, easy. It, it's not. It's not. And he's, like well, if, why don't they go make a movie then? And I'm like, because not everybody can make a damn movie. But, like, you can learn how to make a 30-second, 60-second TikTok and, like, still put something creative out into the world. Yeah. And, like, I love that. I love that it's, like, up, like there's some a little bit of toxicity on there and a little yeah. bit of, you know, right-wing stuff and all kinds of other stuff. But mostly, and you can, like, curate it to where all you have is, like, stuff that you dig. Yeah. And, like, what's funny... <laughs> I'm terrified of frogs. It's a long story. Really? Um, but I really, really don't like frogs. Okay. Seriously have a thing about frogs. That's good to know. Like, Did you I know that my home... daughter has a frog? Yes. And every time you post content about <laughs> Chungus, I have to swipe really fast <laughs> to get past it. Um, but like I came home from work and there was like a frog on the front porch and it was really late. And I had woke Steven up to come open the back door so that I could go around and not have to climb over the frog to get in my house. Like, it's a whole thing. So my son has sent me so many friggin' frog TikToks that now I'm on frog TikTok <laughs> on my For You page. And, like, I get all these, like, frog videos, and it is the worst thing ever. So people DMing you stuff can affect your For You page. Just FYI. 
If people are sending you stuff that you don't like just to piss you off, like my child does, um, it can affect your for you page because apparently TikTok thinks I like frogs now. So I'm having to re-curate my for you page to get rid of the frogs. Just like bring me lesbians and drag queens, please. (laughs) Yes, please. Um, Well, good. I'm glad we're on the same page about that. I feel a little sheepish and silly about being so into it, but also fuck it man like um, if it brings you joy like yeah yeah after the last few years of just god so much misery right i just i'm now i'm refocusing my energy into doing things that i know are positive and productive and bringing me joy and making me satisfied because i just i let too much of my happiness get sucked away and i'm kind of mad at myself about that i cleaned up my Facebook um, got rid of a lot of the political stuff, got rid of a lot of, like, I follow a lot of um, hunting pages and mm-hmm. um, fishing pages because that is something that I'm into, but that culture is very conservative. And so it became more political. And I was like, you know what? I, I can, there's one guy that I like who does not get political at all. And I'm like, I'm just going to follow this one guy. And I unfollowed everything else. I even got rid of some of my food pages because mm-hmm. they were political. Um, and then I also left 100% of my local Liberty Hill groups because they became just bastions of right-wing toxicity. And mm-hmm. I'm not in any of my local groups anymore. It made me like literally hate my neighbors. And I hated that feeling. I'd see people in the store and be like, oh, I saw what you posted on Facebook and I kind of want to hit you with my car right now. And I hated that. So I just left all of them. I'd rather just not know. I don't need to know your every thought on everything. And I have one friend who lives locally and she'll like text me, hey, the cops are on a manhunt in your neighborhood. Lock your doors, which is the only reason I follow those groups anyway, to make sure that there's not a bad guy in my backyard. Mm-hmm. Um so she follows it for me. She weeds out the crazy and just gives me what I want to know. That's cool. um, I've had to clean it up a lot and I don't get on Twitter. The only time I get on Twitter anymore is during Mandalorian and I look at some of the Mandalorian stuff because I'm not loving it right now and I like confirmation that I'm not the only one. Wait, what? Why? Like the plot is not there. It feels uh. like episodes of Murder, She Wrote, but in space. like it is that quality of writing like the later years of murder hero not even Uh like the good early years it were there the the character building has been great baby yoda has been kind of a dick lately i didn't like the frog abortion even though i don't like frogs i was not like he's a brat and somebody needs to like check around him take away his phone and (laughs) he needs to be grounded from the xbox for like a week but yeah i'm not loving it um, actually, we didn't watch it last night. We normally watch it every Friday, like as soon as it comes out. And last night we were like, eh, not oh. here for it. I mean, we'll probably watch it Sunday night, I guess. But yeah, I'm not loving it. Huh. And Twitter I agrees. like it. I like it. Really? So I, I, I like Twitter. it because, but here's the thing, Evan, is like I, I watch a show like The Mandalorian because it's just a diversion. It's fantasy and it's like, I don't expect anything out of it. And like, so those, I understand what you're saying. Like it is very episodic. Each chapter is just sort of a. It's its own little story arc. Yeah. Each episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you know, you get to see different environments and planets and species and things like that. I, I get it. I like, I get what they're doing with it and it's, it doesn't bother me. So I, 
I like it. I mean, I do. It, uh, I don't know. I have weird TV viewing habits, so maybe I'm just... Uh, why? I, I don't understand. So is it just that, like, what do people want out of it? Well, for me, I'm down with single. I don't... Actually, I prefer, like, I want to, like, go to a new world and have an adventure and do all that. Like, to reach way back, like, when X-Files would get into, like, the long long multi-episode story arcs with like the conspiracy theories and shit mm -hmm. like I would get really bored with those and I wanted the one-off episodes where they go to a new town and they solve another mystery and whatever mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm fine with that premise it's just I don't think they're very good I, I think they're very predictable and I think that they are relying on the fandom like this is Star Wars all we have to do is throw in an episode like a character from the cartoons that maybe only seven fanboys will know about and we're going to get all the love in the world. I think it's lazy. And uh, they're relying on, like, this is Star Wars. As long as we have some Star Wars cred, we can be lazy about the actual writing. I see. Um, and that's my problem with it. Yeah. Is well, that it's just, it's weak. I completely recognize that Baby Yoda is an exploitative thing. It's like a, this genetically engineered thing that oh, is yeah. just so, it's so cute that it's just, that's its only function. Like there's no real value in Baby Yoda except that it's so cute. And I am 100% okay with it. Oh yeah. So yeah. Baby Yoda, I like, he is a little bit of a brat, but I'm like, I want him to come live with me so I can make him a better person <laughs> and raise him as my very own. <laughs> And for, like, we got the girls each a Baby Yoda doll, and I can't remember what happened, but I was having a bad day, and my daughter brought, both girls brought me their Baby Yoda dolls, Aww. and I, like, snuggled with, the, he cheers me up that much. I do, don't get me wrong, I love Baby Yoda, and Kara, what's her name, the wrestler girl who's oh, on yes. there. Yeah, yeah. I love her as well. I like her mm -hmm. character. I actually like all the characters, really. I just wish they would do more with them. I see. Is my frustration. Uh, and I'm going to keep watching because Baby Yoda is cute as hell. Yeah. Well, the, I, I feel like the first season was much tighter. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Do, you think, do you think that it was just, like, I'm trying to figure out why that is. I think that the first season was done pre-COVID. This episode uh -huh. was, the, this season was done during COVID and shit. This year's fucking is hard. Like yeah. nobody's a hundred percent this year. I know I'm not. So like I might be being a little harsh on them, but also there's the sophomore slump, very common in filmmaking. Mm. I mean, it's John Favreau. This is not his first rodeo. But like right. you have a huge hit like that. What do you do for your second season? Like it takes a minute to find your feet and like figure out the formula that got you where you were the first time. So yeah. I hope. That they're like, they realize, okay, this season wasn't the greatest. Let's tighten it up a little bit for season three. Yeah. Well, we shall see. We shall see. Uh, okay. I want to ask you about this year because you, you brought it up. I know, and you know, and we all know that calendars are these like arbitrary markers of time. And yet, I truly feel like there was something wrong with this particular year. <laughs> Like, I don't know what the yes. fuck is going on. Is it that this is a really bad year? And if so, why? And, or is it that it's just one of those confirmation bias things? We already feel like it's a bad year. So now anything that happens, we're like, yep, 2020. So 
I sat down, sat down and I was like, let me think about like good stuff that happened in 2020. Because uh-huh. surely there's been some. And it's like, if I really think about it, like I spent more time with my kids this year yeah. than I have in a really long time, um, which is great. And I discovered TikTok, which I'm not going to lie been a huge boost to my mental health, everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, my relationship with my husband is stronger than it has ever been. Nice. Um, we're in an amazing place. Great. Um, we've had a lot of like, because we're like constantly together, we've had a lot of like in-depth talks about grown-up stuff. Wow. Um, my job is amazing. On paper, if you take away COVID and everything else, this year has been fantastic. And I feel like maybe there's just been like some bad stuff and like the bad stuff has been so bad that globally it's been a bad year. But I think if people really like, I can't say that for everybody because there are people who are like have lost loved ones and have lost their jobs and they're homeless now and things like that. And I think that's what, why we're saying this year has been bad because the economy is in the toilet and everything else. But like for me personally, this has actually been a good year if I'm being completely selfish and ignoring the rest of the world. Yeah, I can see that. It also seems really long <laughs> because I was talking to, to my son and he was like, hey mom, did Kobe die in 2016 or 2017? And I was like, baby, that was 2020. <laughs> like, that was like back in February when Kobe wow. died. That's and right. Like, yeah. And that was like the biggest thing. That's yeah. when people were like, man, 2020, because there was the wildfires in Australia, and then Kobe died, and people were like, oh, I guess we're just going to ignore the wildfires in Australia now, because a basketball player died, and then it was like, haha, just kidding, the end of the fucking world. (laughs) Yeah, 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 I I don't know, I don't know, I feel like, but but on the other hand, what you're saying, it resonates so much with me, I don't think our family has ever been closer. Right. right. Like we lost my mother-in-law this year and went through that. And even that brought us even closer. And just the fact that my kids are going to school at home right now. And um, my husband and I have been working from home. All of us have literally been in this house together most of the year. And I think when, when we first came home back in early March, I thought, oh man, we're not going to make it. it I'm going to get a divorce. I think there's just no way that we're yes. going to all manage. And it's actually been so wonderful to be with my family this much. And, and I know, especially because it's my kids last year at home, right? Yeah. yeah we're going to look back on this time and be like, that was, and even with my mother-in-law, right? Like she, she was living with us. Uh, she had gone for heart surgery and she came back and lived in our house uh, while she recovered. She, then she died like a month, you know, after about a month. Right. Uh, but we had that month with her Yeah. all day, every day we were here with her and that would not have happened any other time. But as you said, yeah, then there's lots of other tragedies happening all around. And that's the thing that's really hard to, it's hard to resolve. And at the same time, like, logically, I know that, like, midnight on January or December 31st, it's not all going to magically go away. Right. The calendar is not going to flip over to a new year and COVID's going to vanish and all the harm that, you know, the 2016 election has done is not going to go away. And, you know, Brianna Taylor's not going to be alive and, like, all these things. But it feels like it's going to be a moment. And I think that if the whole country 
the whole world feels like this is a moment we can fucking make it a moment like if we all decide together that this year is going to be a better year then I think it will be like we can't do anything about COVID necessarily but like if we increase our positivity and if we make smart choices and you know we do all that like there's a bunch of runoff elections happening in January like if we all pitch in and try to to take this momentum forward of like this is a new year it's going to be better because I think that we've just been in a funk as a universe or whatever for the past Uh year yep if we can turn the positive positivity of this is a new year it's a fresh start into action and not just be like the first time something bad happens we're like oh it's going to be another 2020 right back in your houses go back to being shitty on twitter right um I think we yeah. can we can make it something awesome. Yeah, and I'm not like one of those people that, that believes that everything is just in your mind, like the power of positive thinking is going to save us. But also, I think we underestimate how much of an impact negativity has, like what kind of, you know, what we were, what I was talking about before with momentum, like you can yes. really break your momentum with negativity. And we just have to be committed like it, that doesn't mean ignoring problems or pretending like they don't exist, but it does mean not letting those things impact how we care about each other and our commitment to one another and our commitment to all of us, right? Like what we're all trying to accomplish, either in our communities or in our families or in our whole society. Um, I want to ask you because you have you're a really interesting person in that you have, I guess you would define it as progressive political positions, right? Like yes. there's, there's a lot of things that you're very progressive on, and, but you live in a very conservative town. Uh, yes. Your partner is, um, has more conservative views than you do. I know that. And um, you manage to do that. You manage to live among people who are very different from you ideologically and at the same time, not, not be miserable. <laughs> right and I, I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about that because I feel like this is a this is a thing is we we can't allow the fact that people don't agree with us on certain things to dictate whether or not we're happy and whether or not we're getting shit done and I do feel like that happens a lot um I feel like people who live in like Boston or San Francisco like they don't recognize their own privilege in being surrounded by people who think like them. Mm -hmm. And I've, you know, I've grown up and I I was born and raised in Austin. So of course it's kind of a blue bastion in Texas. Um, But it's still like, there are still probably way more conservatives in Austin than, you know, in like San Francisco or whatever. Um, And so I've always had friends and loved ones of, different philosophies plus my parents were very very liberal or my mom still is my dad like had an fbi file for you know flipping off nixon like super liberals (laughs) um and so the only way like other girls could rebel by dating pot smoking hippies and black guys and you know whatever would piss off their parents for me like I dated Republicans wow like that's what made my parents angry and so that's what I, of course that's what I wanted to do so I grew up genuinely loving a lot of conservative people and that is when you love someone who, or at least want to have sex with <laughs> somebody who has like very different political views, 
it's like, it's weird. It's a different feeling and having never experienced that. And I think that a lot of people don't, they can like genuinely say, Oh, well, I would, I would disown a parent who was conservative. I'm like, really? Like if you would disown your parent over political stuff, you've got other issues. (laughs) Like obviously it's not a great relationship to begin with. Um, and like my in-laws, very conservative and I love them very much, like very, very much genuine love and you know I know you loved your mother-in-law you still love her and so you get that a lot of people aren't lucky um like that and to like genuinely love somebody with different political views you learn to see things from their perspective and I also don't think that people with conservative views are necessarily wrong I think from their perspective they think they're right they think they're doing the right thing and like nobody believes that they're the villain. They think they're the hero trying to save the world. And it's just they're going about it in a different way. And I think when you can see that, that like people aren't generally like, I'm gonna take away everybody's rights and I don't like black people. It like it's not that. Nobody is like a cartoon villain. They're people who are generally doing the best that they can, the way that they know how. And all we can do is meet them where they're at and try to have genuine conversations. Yeah. Do you feel like you're able to do that? Like have, have real conversations where you can, you know, put forth your perspective on things and at least get other people to think in the same way that you're, you're willing to extend that to people who are conservative, right? Do you think you're able to kind of help people with opposing points of view, look at a more liberal point of view and, and maybe give it a little less judgment and a little more curiosity when people know me really well i think that yes like my husband has definitely moved a little bit more to the left in the last 10 years wow um not much mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. um i think honestly i think trump helps um oddly enough because he hated trump so much uh-huh. that he, it kind of pushed him a little bit to the left in like a reactionary way um and then now that Biden's in, he'll probably go super far right again. But um, I do, I'm not a good political arguer, dis- discussioner, <laughs> debater. That's the word. Wow. Uh, I'm not good at that because I, I am very emotional. Mm-hmm. And a lot of my political arguments are like, but that's mean, so don't do it. Like, and that's not a good argument. That's not going to sway anybody. Right. Um, and I, I cry really easily when I'm like emotional. So I don't think I'm good at like bringing people into the fold. And I think by simply existing and by loving people and being friends with them and being kind to them um, and having them in my life, that's what I can do to maybe bring them a little bit more left or be able to see people on the left as actual humans by just being a loving human in their life. But I'm never going to sit down and have a political discussion and change somebody's mind. That's actually what I what I mean, because I don't think that, you know, I, I, I don't think proselytizing is ever going to work politically. I just don't. I, and, and I can say this as somebody who has changed their views on many things throughout my lifetime, like drastically changed, that the reasons why and when I changed were never because somebody was sitting there trying to give me a reasoned argument. right? It was because I got to know them as a person and that forced me to confront my own internal sort of 
um, it, it created conflict in me that I had to resolve. And that was a lot, that was very personal. And it wasn't something like you can't change another person. People have to change themselves. So I think all you can do is give people uh, continual or continuous reasons to have to question what they believe. And the way to do that is relational. I just, I don't think that it's about facts and information. Right. And it does like, because I know that I have these people in my life and that they kind of have their eye on me. It really does force me to like live my values a little bit. And it can get, when you have progressive values, it can get easy to be a little bit lazy and like fall back on like tropes and things like that. And knowing that I've got eyes on me um, and that I'm an example, not necessarily like just to my children who are like far more progressive than I'll ever be. Um, But to, you know, people in my life who are more conservative and I'm, they're holding me up as like, I know an actual liberal, let me watch what she does. Right. Um, It like, I'm, I'm kind of on my P's and Q's and I might be, it might actually make me a better liberal than if I was in a bubble and I could get away with being lazy because I was in like a circle of people who are just reflecting my own values back to me. Yep. Yep. I think that's right. I think that is, that is right. And I actually had that very same experience for a long time as a public Muslim activist, right? Where I was the, I was a lot of people's go-to Muslim. (laughs) Like I was the Muslim that they knew. And so I felt a lot of um, responsibility to do things in a certain way or to make myself available in a certain way or to convey certain things that like maybe a typical Muslim in another country or in a a predominantly Muslim environment wouldn't really even think about. Yeah. Like being held up as the example is exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the same time, I think it does make you better um, or better at what you're trying to do anyway, or exemplify. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share with the world on this podcast? I don't think so. Um, I don't really have any projects going on that I want to pimp out or anything. Um, I wish I did. Um, I keep trying to start a new project and it keeps getting pushed aside. But when I have more concrete details, I will share it with you. Okay. Um, but yeah, right now it's just, you know, be kind to one another and quit being dickheads and wear your mask and stay home and, you know, whatever. Let's, and, and let's get this shit over with so that I can go on vacation. Should we follow you on TikTok? No, God, no. Don't follow me on TikTok. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, I, like, I haven't posted a video in forever, but I am, yes, actually, yes. Follow me on TikTok because I'm going to start putting some, um, like, cooking content out. So, yeah, that's kind of the project that I'm working on. I want to teach, like, young people and maybe people who weren't, people who are raised in food deserts and things like that, how to cook from scratch so mm. that they don't feel, because they never maybe learned how to cook with, like, you know, fast ingredients just because that's what was available to them. Yeah. Um, I want to teach people how to do that. So I'm putting together some content on that. So do follow me. It's at, is that how you say it on TikTok? At it is. your mom now TX. Cause I'm going to be your mom now. And yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, I post a lot of like queer positivity and stuff like that too. Cool. Well, I will link to your social media in these uh, episode notes as well. 
so people can find Sounds you and good. they should find you because you're awesome and I love you. Thank you. I love you too. I miss your face and I'm glad I got to see you. And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.
Don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves.